Greetings and salutations. You are listening to the Into the North podcast, where we take a look at the competitive side of the Commander format, also known as CDH. I'm one of your hosts, Lyndon, aka Noobzors, and today I'm joined by my co-hosts, Matt, aka Null. Yo. Reed, aka Sick Robot. What's up? And Morgan, aka Spleenface. How's it going? And in this episode, we're going to be covering Zendikar Rising. Um, and we're also going to be, this is going to be the first half of the show. And uh, in the second half, we're going to be answering a, uh, I, I guess our, it's a topic that's inspired by a listener question. Yeah. yeah um, about new sets in general. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah. you can't that. say that because now that they know, we just take all of our content from listener questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, our last episode was literally a mailbag. So uh, <laughs> if they hadn't figured it out by then, <laughs> dude, mailbag part two with a sprinkling of Zendikar Rising cards. You dude, know? And then we're going to have our like our hot takes episodes. Yeah. Just outsource dude, our just hot takes our content, episode. Right? We've got so many in the bank. It's going to oh, be yeah, we could, for sure milk that forever um but yeah uh moving on uh in this yeah we, we, in this episode we're gonna do that so before we actually get into the main topic of the show uh what have you guys been up to since the last episode well the team fight tactics season just reset <laughs> as of the time of recording so i've been spamming games so we've and decided I've... to add a new t- <laughs> df section to all of our episodes <laughs> Uh, see and, i've been playing the yeah. uh the popular new game with the kids among us you know and uh test, yeah, test that up yesterday with uh morgan and uh some of our friends uh it's pretty fun pretty fun i feel like Dude, you have to I say just... i've been playing this popular new game when you played like two hours last night you know what <laughs> i've already spent money on a pet so that's that is true he was paying to win it took him like we hadn't even played our first game he was like i'm gonna spend money to be better at this game (laughs) pay to win dude it's it's the way it is um anything else anyone not really yeah i've been waiting patiently for the new path expansion and i took monday off so i'm sure our listeners can relate to our you know very exciting lives that we all live. <laughs> I mean, look, they're implementing Our bi-weekly updates. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're also <laughs> re-implement. It's there's not a lot going on because they're re-implementing freaking restrictions on gatherings again. So, uh, yeah, the, yeah, the world's definitely moving a little slower than maybe it was in the past. I got my last barbecue in. Which honestly, I'm happy about because I've been to so many freaking barbecues. Oh man, wait, was I also was I cheering for the raps in the last episode? Yep. <laughs> oh oh yeah, man, yeah. that's coming out. That, that came. That's going to come out after the series is over. Like, oh, yep. brutal. So sad. F-check. I'm pretty sure I nailed it because I said mm-hmm. you're talking about the Raptors and they're going to have been eliminated in Game Seven when this comes out. Yep. Dude, big sad. Although, Called it. shout out, <laughs> shout out as as a Toronto based podcast, you know, shout out to the Denver Nuggets and Jamal Murray for sending the Clippers home. Jamal Murray from Kitchener, Ontario, like a twenty minute drive from me. So, you know, big 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 ups how, to Jamal. I love Murray. how like <laughs> as soon world. as as soon yeah. as he wants to, Lyndon can totally just oh yeah, we're Toronto based. But then when it's advantageous, he's like, yeah. I'm not from Toronto. Again, what kind of people? 
Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so without uh, further ado, let's jump into housekeeping. Um, and as always, housekeeping is where we uh, give shout-outs to our new patrons. Uh, so I think we've had no new patrons for a couple weeks in a row. Uh, no, we had our, our last episode that's a new or a new patron. Okay. I know it's been a bit slow, but you know what? I want to give a... Uh, we've got three new patrons uh, this week. Wow. So, yeah. Big shout-out to Max, Alex, and Ulthar. Um, so, you know, big shout-out to um, Max as well for being a returning patron. So, I know um, during these times, you know, everything is a bit uh, rough and, and, you know, there's lots of uncertainty. So, you know, obviously we said, and, you know, of course, if this is still the case, anyone who wants to, you know, suspend their patronage or whatever, you know, by all means, you know, focus on what's important. But, you know, big shout out to Max for for coming back. It's, uh, it's great to see. Um, yeah. And then uh, our last uh, patron shout out is a shout out to not Jordan from the Gitrog <laughs> server, who has uh, once again uh, failed to uphold his end of the bet. <laughs> the the uh, best part about this is that we're just going to stack shaving because we haven't even released the last shaving yet at the yeah. time of this recording. <laughs> so he's he's going to hear that one and be like, oh, man, all right, I'm going to go do that. And then listen to this one and just be like, hey, come on. <laughs> Dude, he, it, it de- he deserves it, man. It's a single month, a single dollar of patronage. <laughs> he made me play elves for like, you know, three <laughs> three days worth of just like grinding, man. It's no bueno. Okay, but yeah, that's that's enough of uh, housekeeping. Yeah, so big shouts to Max, Alex, and Ulthar again. You rock. You <laughs> rock. Uh, so then, I guess, new developments. Um, you know, we've got, uh, you know, well, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let Morgan They're handle this one. Pretty much the same development, yeah. Okay, these are both separate and very <laughs> important. So the first is, we mentioned in our last episode that there were applications for new moderators of there subreddit. Are. And we're and yes. Chaboy applied and Chaboy was accepted. <laughs> so I'm now officially a Reddit mod, which means whenever you guys post mean stuff on our episodes, I can ban you. Um, <laughs> or then, for that for that matter, if you post mean stuff pretty much anywhere within the C- the sphere of CDH, <laughs> yeah. Of, also, about any of us, make sure whenever you get terrible ideas from the podcast, you correctly credit Lyndon and not Reed. Oh yeah, or we can yeah. ban yeah. him. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the second new development is that there are new mods of the R slash Competitive EDH Discord server, and. I also applied for that, and I was also accepted for that. So I'm I'm slowly collecting all of the roles, and all of the power, and then I can commence the coup. Yeah. I mean, and then all you know, and then involved more, then in you all can aspects initiate of the snap to to destroy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then Morgan can split the. Format so I, I need six. Any way six. So we've got play EDH, the Nexus, the CH, uh, the subreddit Discord, the subreddit itself, the Facebook group. Oh, and then, okay. like the sixth you know one what? is the soul storm, soulstone, where I have to make some sort of weird sacrifice. And the I don't sacrifice even know. Is, is playing frog for six months so you can get toad sage. Ah, that's oh, it, right. <laughs> yeah. I have to lose that which I love and 
playing frog would certainly yeah, yeah to detach yourself from worldly desires so like playing real cdh decks <laughs> and having fun when you're playing games of edh <laughs> dude we f- glad, glad we could figure this out yeah i really put it well there at the end <laughs> um, um yeah but i mean so just to tack on to that um it was a lot of work sifting through applications um and although like it was a shared burden among the uh, team. Lurker really spearheaded that, so big thanks to Lurker um, for doing a lot of the work and coming through, orchestrating interviews, all that good stuff. Um, thanks to everybody who applied. We didn't make it in. Um, rough, but, you know, you can always wait a while. Uh, reapply if you think you've gained the experience or uh, whatever that's needed. And also, I mean, I think we're continuing to keep tentative um discord applications open um because it's sort of hard to find good discord mods um so i mean if you think you might fit the role get in touch with the advisor admin on the um on the cdh sub or subreddit discord uh and let us know cool 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 um okay so main topic and we're gonna start off with uh the cards from Zendikar Rising. Uh, so we're going to do... There's not. It's not a massive set. I mean, it's probably going to take us, you know, two or three episodes to cover everything from Commander Legends, I'm expecting. Um, <laughs> uh, and Zendikar Rising, we've got um, not not too much to cover. So we're, we're going <laughs> to yeah, spend... In fact, uh, uh, yeah, incredibly not, not, small number of things to cover. We should really stop estimating how long things are going to take us. <laughs> At least we should stop saying the estimates because we're never right. I've already zoomed my recording window out to like the four hour mark. I'm just, <laughs> I, then at least I get like a progress report. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna spend you know a lot of the cards we're gonna talk about. We're only gonna spend uh, a bit of time you know mentioning until we get to some of the heavier discussion points later on. So it's gonna start with kind of like the the shitters into the heavy hitters. Oh. Wow. Uh, <laughs> that should just be the the section name. Yeah. Every time. Um, shitters and heavy hitters. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we'll we'll start we'll we'll read the cards in the order of episode the way we introduce everyone. So I'll start. Um and the card we have first on our list is Confounding Conundrum. So this is an enchantment that casts for one and a blue, and it reads, when Confounding Conundrum enters the battlefield, draw a card. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under an opponent's control, if that player had another land enter the battlefield under their control this turn, they return a land they controlled to its owner's hand. Uh, so we put this on the list not because we think it's a good card, but because it's gotten a lot of um, discussion that we all think is unwarranted. It's just not a good card uh, in CDH. But it, it yeah. <laughs> means that if they crack their fetch land... It's, yeah, so uh, the people... It's just like... People like... No, yeah. People ahead, don't read. play explosive veggies in this format, which means that this is a bad card. <laughs> like, but it replaces itself, so it's, it's not it even has like... to be good. Okay, but think about it. If you have this in play, and someone has two fetches, and somebody else plays an Aven Mind Sensor, then they're actually faced with a confounding conundrum. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> but you see, okay. if, you, if you're if you playing pre-Oracle Consult in Xur, this lets you crack Tuesday Piles slash Drop of Labman? I don't know. Wait, that doesn't work at all. 
Huh? Okay, we're spending far too long just playing hypothetical scenarios where this is good. And then shuffle your library. That doesn't seem good. I I'm think sure the there's a tile thing, that works with it. The important thing for people to realize um, about this card is it's bad. No, it's you look at comparable effects. So one, like it's just very easy for people to play around. You know, you play your fetch, you pass the turn, you crack the fetch in you know the next upkeep for no draw uh, for no drawback. Uh, people don't do land ramp and and the I think important part um, is you compare it to like what you kind of wish this effect was. Um, so look at like Thalia Heretic Athar or like Root Maze or something like that, right? Yeah, this Where, is very much not one sided Root Maze. <laughs> yeah, if, if like if someone plays if if you have a, Hel- a Thalia Heretic Cathar, the one that um, non basic lands your opponent's control enter into play uh, tapped. Uh, then you're you're they're playing their fetch it's coming into play tapped and then if they want to crack it for a duel then it's coming into play tapped so you're actually like doing some mana denial there whereas this is just nothing it's not even a speed bump so yeah like the only reason to even consider it would be for its etb draw card in like some kind of flicker deck but there's just better cards for that so big big you know zero out of ten for cdh yeah and the the fact that um if they desperately want the mana that turn, they can still have it. Just makes it like even worse as a hate piece. Yeah, like the okay. thing that it ostensibly stops, it doesn't even stop. So Matt, up next. Sure, uh, I have the absolute pleasure of reading the card "Maddening Cacophony" for one in a blue sorcery kicker, three in a blue. Each opponent mills eight cards. If this spell was kicked, instead each opponent mills half their library, rounded up, and the. <laughs> Why did we include this card? Because it it it's technically a combo piece with uh, the jumpstart question mark with the jumpstart um Bruvac, Bruvac the Vandiloquent that doubles the three mana mono blue commander that doubles mill to your yeah. opponents. Yeah, yeah, so it's like it's, <laughs> okay. Yeah, and, and I guess with Shuffle Hulk gone, the only deck that, you know, it doesn't auto-kill is Gitrog. Yeah, it seems I like mean, there just a, aren't any CD decks that it doesn't auto-kill. It also just doesn't auto-kill Hermit Druid when they are just playing, like, uh, Memory's Journey. <laughs> uh, true, but again, you know, who's who's playing uh, who's playing these decks? So, uh, no, but yeah, in, all, in all seriousness, like, I guess just upgraded... This was traumatized was the effect that yeah. did this before. Yeah, yeah. Um, and traumatized traumatized can only target. kill one person. Yeah. So yeah. It's better question mark. Yeah. And I mean, it is it's it fine. is a sorcery in in like a for mono blue somewhat accessible. It's less accessible than like an artifact um based wincon. So it's like obviously not going to compete with um you know Urza or I mean, it's probably not going to compete with like it's almost not, any of I mean, the other those, it's not decks. Going to those compete. decks don't have one card win cons. Like Chain yeah. Delta Fairy kind of does, but there's a lot of asterisks on uh, that one card. I mean, like, a yeah, Fibble this Fip. is more directly. Yeah, kind I, of I, a, I don't think it compares particularly favorably to Fibble Fib, and that's uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's saying, saying something. something. That's not where you want to be. All right. Okay. Uh, yeah. Let's move so on. Next up, we got. Um, Fun one, Seagate Stormcaller, one in a blue for a human wizard creature. It's a 2 1. It has Kicker for four in a blue. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, copy the next instance of sorcery spell with converted mana cost two or less. You cast this turn when you cast it. Uh, and if it was kicked, copy it twice instead. And then you can choose new targets. So basically, Wait. 
just good for Anola. So yeah, so did you say kicker four and a blue? Because I'm pretty sure that kicker costs one. Is it? What? Oh. <laughs> no, no. It's yeah. on the card it's four and a blue, but yeah. the only reason this card is good is because yeah. you can pay for it with like you get an Anala trigger and then you get to double copy stuff. Also, there's some nice layering you can do where if you have like let's say you have Dark Ritual and then you and like a demonic tutor, you can play this with the Anala trigger on the stack, cast a dark ritual, have it doubled, and then pay for the trigger, and then cast a demonic tutor and have it doubled rather than have one spell triple and one spell not copied at all. Um it's like an interesting sort of potential combo extender and potential like value piece. Um, I don't know if it'll wind up in the deck permanently. It's currently in over Watcher for Tomorrow, which I've been like really unhappy with, but just wanted like one more value piece. So we'll see if this stays in the deck long term or if it gets swapped out for I don't know, just another piece of interaction. But it's definitely spicy and it's a lot of fun. And it does technically have like some some weird combos, but the, cool. It's hard to combo with because you have to cast the spells to copy them, so you can't keep like reanimating it and then kind of cool with uh with calling the week too, right? Because getting that getting the copy effect on on a spell with a pretty steep cost like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's a lot of mana. Yeah, I'm always happy to see Anola kind of get uh, bonuses. I do think cool that deck. like Anola is a great example of a deck that um is like very healthy for the CDH meta game. Oh yeah, for sure. Right. Like, um, I think read read put. Let's put a pin in this. A pin in this because yes. I know uh, in our next uh, topic, I want to touch on this. And we also card. have a, a card next that Morgan is incredibly excited to. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Dude, he was talking. I'm he was talking this card up nonstop. Excited to dump on this card, and that <laughs> card is Tazri Beacon of Unity. Uh, it has, f- it's costs four and a white. It's a legendary creature, human warrior, I, not okay. an ally. Interestingly, so can I just force- can I just stop you there? Do you need to read the rest of this card, or can we just say what it is? <laughs> what? Let's just let's, read it. Let's, let's just, just read, read it. it. All right. Yeah. All right. It, legendary creature, human warrior, four six. The spell costs one less to cast for each creature in your party. What does that mean? Doesn't matter. And then it has uh, <laughs> hybrid, two generic blue, hybrid, two generic black, hybrid, two generic red hybrid two generic green so the four colors that aren't in the cost look at the top six cards of your library you may reveal up to two cleric rogue warrior wizard and or ally cards from among them and put them into your hand but the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order so it's kind of an infinite colorless outlet in five colors but not really because you're still going to need colored mana to cast the pieces that you're finding um right now so like the colorless combos which would presumably be either kin and basalt monolith or zerda basalt monolith um aren't great and like they're i don't think they're enough better than the ones that make colored mana to justify running this and at that point just play kenrith yeah especially because it can actually enable dockside combos with like a sack outlet so yeah yeah it's bad. Those are just like feels a really you know you mentioned that is not an ally. It just feels weird that they also you know despite not making an ally in its creature type, they just it threw can in still ally. find allies. Yeah, yeah. flavor. So fail, I man. guess technically it's not you don't actually need 
infinite colored for it. Or like you don't even need a colored mana for it just because you can find Diviner's Wand with it. <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh, is it a tribal artifact? It's wizard? a tribal wizard equipment. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. We broke it on oh, camera. I don't think that's what happened here. <laughs> red alert, red alert. We need I a mean, soundboard, you know? Okay. Like, you can also, yeah, I know. Broken, broken combo. Like, especially because, like, Zerda and Kinnon are both, like, this this deck's yeah, like just, value it's not, case it's just is not good. so yeah. much it's worse just than Kenrith's. Yeah. It's, it's like, not better than any other generic five color infinite mana thing because nobody's playing five color infinite mana combos anyway. Because I mean, people are playing dark set combos in Kenrith. That's definitely a thing. Okay, sure, but you just you're spoiled for choice yeah. and outlets in five color at this point. Yeah, and like. For the most part, honestly, at this point, you don't even need to be running infinite mana combos. So it's just like, just play something better. Yeah. <laughs> just, just play something with a better value case, please. But if I have a full party, then it only costs a white for a four six. Wow. <laughs> Speaking of, okay. uh, I just you know, I just feel like I'm compelled to say oh I wouldn't God. put a one mana four six in most of my decks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Speaking of. Uh, bad, you know, multicolor commanders that, you know, no one is going to play. Uh, up next, we have Omnath, Locust of Creation. Sorry, Locus of Creation. Uh, and Omnath casts for red, green, white, and blue. Uh, it's a legendary creature elemental, and it reads, when Omnath, Locus of Creation, enters the battlefield, draw a card. And then it has landfall. So whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, you gain four life. Uh, it is the first time this ability has resolved. This turn, if it's the second time, you add um, red, green, white, and blue mana to your mana pool. If it's the third time, Omnath deals four damage to each opponent and each planeswalker you don't control. And Omnath is a 4-4. Four, four. So, yay, you can play a different, you can play a four-color Sunspike Food Chain deck instead of a three-color or two-color Sunspike Food Chain deck and still have it be bad. <laughs> He's yeah. also potentially one of the best ephemerate commanders in the format now. <laughs> <sighs> hey, I just call him like I see him. <laughs> all I'm looking for, all I want out of life is for there to be a real ephemerate commander, and this is so. I mean, the fact the that best. a fetch land makes you four mana, so it's like a super yeah. Lotus Cobra, is like kind of cute, but you can't cast ad nauseum with that mana, so. <laughs> In fact, you can't really do a whole lot with that mana. Just look I mean, at the art for this on hey. that. He's got he's got like all the Dorito flavors, all like the <laughs> Cheeto, the dust all over his fingers, man. He's got like Cool Ranch, you know, sweet chili heat, just regular Ooh. and uh and you know like cheddar or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah dude, whatever the cheesy one is. You know, I can't wait. I can't wait for him to finally ascend to the five color. Oh no, it's chili wine. Be... Um Oh yeah, true, true. <laughs> but yeah, I like I guess, yeah. The fact that you can like play a fetch land, make four mana, and then I don't know, cast Wheel of Fortune is like cute. People are also talking about doing like Nerumeha or Dualcaster Ghostly Flicker shenanigans with this, and it is an instant speed outlet for that because you can flicker lands and then flicker Omnath to reset. But that's like mm. very narrow, and I think people saw that it draws a card when it enters the battlefield and went, oh my god, it actually has some value outside of the combo, but that's like not a real amount of value. Yeah. 
you have to work real hard to make that into like real value. Like, like casting it a My commander cantrips <laughs> is not I have card advantage in the command so yeah. Those aren't the same statement yeah. at all. Bibblethip cantrips, therefore. Yeah. It's interesting also that his ability is the second time that he references the ability resolving and not um the second land played this turn. Did you, have you thought about that? Like, it's just because so you can. It's an interesting templating. It's uh. just so so the reason it's templated the way it is. There's two things that it enables. One, if you reset Omnath, you can get the triggers again. Um, and if you don't specify about the ability resolving, then it actually does get kind of spicy because you can get the same trigger more than once if you respond to them. So, mm. um, like if you had it in play. And then you played a land, and let's say you had an extra land play. You play a fetch land, you play a second fetch land, you play a fetch land, let the trigger resolve. Play a second fetch land, respond to the trigger, break a fetch land, respond to the trigger, break a fetch land, and add 12 mana. Is that how that Would works? you ever consider this, this deck if, uh, like, you, you, could, you could maybe imagine some kind of um, outlet with, you know, uh, like dockside loops to make infinite, you know, colored mana, and like if you're doing Curio or um, yeah, but you can just uh, Team or Saber Tooth, you can draw your deck. <laughs> so like you have combo, but I, I just don't think the commander is good enough. But I, I was saying if if his third ability uh, also dealt damage to creatures you don't control, I think that'd be totally <laughs> nuts. Rat yeah. somebody's board by holding a fetch for a turn. Yeah, okay. No, but it's. it's <laughs> Yes, like, that that's would still be difficult insane. to enable. That would be that's really good. Yes, <laughs> I think if it had the the payoff of Onath, pass, untap, play a fetch, cast ad nauseum, then it would be awesome. But <laughs> yeah, I don't think I don't think we have the that access to that type of card in non black. You know, it, it's it's far from uh, Enter the Infinite. But yeah, <laughs> it's I just okay. I don't feel like it's better than. The Thrasios variants in those colors. Yeah, no. no. Or no. the Food Chain variants in higher colors for... Or not even in higher colors, because Ukima in exists. Food Chain variants in black, <laughs> yeah, where in you black, have console and Tainted Pack. Alright, I guess yeah. moving on to the next one. Yeah. Yep. Sure. Um, so this next one is Lithoform Engine for 4 mana, Legendary Artifact. Uh, 2 and tap, copy target activated or triggered ability you control. You may choose new targets for the copy. Three and a tap. Copy target instant or sorcery spell you control. You may choose new targets for the copy. Four and a tap. Copy target permanent spell you control. The copy becomes a token. I think it's an interesting ability to be able to copy permanent spells. Uh, and yeah, permanent it, spell is such an interesting so combination of words. First time we've seen that. Like being able to copy like a creature yeah, spell. What's, what's funny is it's. In addition to it kind of being the first time, it's also printed alongside another card that does the same thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, I guess that's, that's, it's also, I mean, it's something that is very easily enabled by a piece of software that handles the rules for you. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, as far as CDH, uh, this is a Isochron Scepter, uh, not replacement, but like you know, redundancy piece, it, and also has like additional. But and it's also a, uh, a, a resonator resonator. replacement yeah. for Brago, yeah, for Brago. Yeah. which is also the other modes on this are also like potentially nice because you can like 
because you're in combat, you know, you can like copy spells as well um, to potentially like guarantee finding yourself a win in a way that you can't with Strionic Resonator. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, it's it's narrow, but it enables some stuff in some decks. Yeah, you do unfortunately have to copy spells you control. <laughs> yes. You could copy instance and sorceries your opponents control. Oh, baby. That would be, it'd be probably worth inclusion. So that being said, yeah. this is also sort of neat just because like, it does things that Ice Crown Scepter can't. So like, you can copy sorceries with it. Um, and then you can also copy like stuff above two CMC. So like if you're playing like I don't know, like God forbid you're playing a turnabout deck, but if you're playing a turnabout deck, like you can use turnabout as your dramatic reversal as well for the form yes. engine. I don't know. It's just Or reality spasm. Yeah, sure. <laughs> hey, maybe I'll try this in Mizzix. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely narrow. It's not gonna be going in any yeah. color decks. And I don't, I don't think it's like an improvement on anything really is just sort of a redundancy piece for all of its uses right now. Well, it does. It combines, uh, effects of certain cards. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Like, so you could potentially be playing a scepter in Rego deck or like, yeah. And Hey, you know what? Maybe, maybe I can cuck Linden a bit on this, but <laughs> it is technically a mana rock for Goto. Hmm? Oh man. <laughs> That is true. Yeah. Oh, like a cost reducer? Yeah. Yeah. Barely, dude, you, you can but... you can cost reduce it. You can do cost redu- re- reduction in two in ways, two man. Ways, you can dude. copy the Goto permanent spell. <laughs> or or <laughs> can copy yeah. yeah. I mean, that's actually potentially relevant if you want to like play around a counter spell. Yeah, that is true. You cast yeah. Goto. If they respond, you copy the Goto. If they don't respond, you copy the activated or triggered ability. But I mean that's also like a million mana, but yeah. I mean, it's this is Goto, right? Like you said, it's also like, um, Uh, like it's a panharmonicon effect in that deck that costs like some extra mana, but also has additional utility. Like you can. I mean, the deck does not run Stranic Resonator as is, so that's no, I know, but it's but it is also more useful than cost some extra mana. Like (laughs) you can you can copy like creatures that you're playing. You can copy Clasms. You can copy yeah, just a bunch. All right, cool, cool. Okay, yeah. Next up next, up. read we this is you yeah. up we've got like multi cards here, so this is like yeah. a, we're just gonna yeah. cover pretty much all of these in one go. Um so these are just the uh multi what is it? Multi faced flip lands, DFCs, double faced dual faced cards, dual faced yeah. uh untapped cards. lands. Yeah. Um so just the, the mythic rare uh flip lands. Um for the set um we're not Bolt really gonna dude so the <laughs> the general theme with these is that they're pretty much unplayable on their face um in cdh anyway but um because they come stapled to an untapped land uh they're playable in decks that don't or like aren't already capped on like multicolor lands and don't care about cmc so basically just like low color non-black decks are sort yeah, of like, interesting. The, the in thing these. is, is that if it's a, it's it's not even caring about CMC. Oh, okay, I see. You, in no, terms no, so, of black, I thought yeah, you were gonna say like, like Crick's not gonna yeah. play the black one, yeah. or anything on Nas, or yeah, like anything on Nas. Like the black one is only like three CMC. Yes, but it's bad. So it's bad. Why bother? <laughs> just, there's no reason to play it. <laughs> just play a swamp that, like, that that doesn't cost you. Yeah. 
Um, it, well, because the black one, so the black one uh, reanimates stuff, but it costs a lot of mana to reanimate the stuff that you'd want to be reanimating, and black decks aren't going to use it that well. Um, but the other ones are like just pump mana into them and get some amount of marginal return um, at the end um, if you have literally nothing else to do, which is like a reason why you would just play these in any deck, right? So, okay, so let, the let's, big ones, yeah, let's read yeah, out the, the we, we've selected three that we think are going to be or like playable yeah i guess the white well, one it's more just is like, like the white one like white's just bad so, yeah, yeah. White so it doesn't, doesn't have get a, a slice of the color pie Man, so. if, okay well that being said if it had something like creatures you control get plus one plus one it would be slightly better yeah i mean so yeah, but it doesn't <laughs> we could just like give general ideas on these i think like it's i they don't matter a well, huge amount read, we it's, read the all right, cards all right. Read the cards. shadow skull smashing uh, is red it's the x uh, red red sorcery deals x damage divided as you choose among up to two target creatures and or planeswalkers and fx is six or more it deals twice x damage divided as you choose among them instead so it's um it's a limited rolling thunder um yeah so the, the main yeah. benefit for this is for mono red decks um, like Godot or I guess if you're like Zada or something, but where you're casting your commander is important and obviously Draineth Magistrate being a thing is, uh, you know, troublesome. So the fact that you have an untapped land that can also just act as a removal spell for Draineth, you know, or, or some other stacks piece or threatening piece like a mind sensor or, you know, just remove like a Timna or something like why not? That's yeah. It's just it's really just, nice. It's quote unquote mass removal stapled to an untapped land, so no reason not to call play it mass it removal, but it hits two things. <laughs> it's two things, you know. Also, it hits I, hit Ashiok too with have, in Godo, which is it, big. It's funny they learned their lesson from um, the one from Oath of the Gatewatch that was like a double <laughs> yeah. that just does uh, hacks to both. <laughs> from, yeah, uh, fall of the fall of the hammer. Well, no, that one could target players. Yeah, and if you guys remember, Oath of the Gatewatch was when they were like, "Hey, do two headed giant pre-releases, everyone." And uh, yeah, whoops. <laughs> like I'm, I'm pretty nuke, sure nuke the every team from orbit. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I cast that twice and dealt 34 damage with it. In, in two pre-release games because yeah. you could just target both your opponents. Yeah. Um, Alright, okay. so next up we got um, the Baral card in this patch. Uh, Seagate Restoration, four blue, 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 sorcery. Draw cards equal to the number of cards in your hand plus one. You have no max hand size for the rest of the game. So literally just a mono blue mana sink. <laughs> like you're just if you're in mono blue, you just play this and sometimes you... So the the don't one play thing that's this land, and then you cast rough it is that mono blue decks are generally are often on sanctuary, mystic sanctuary, and are generally on back to basics. Yeah, um, so there is definitely a cost yeah. to this one. Whereas shatter skull smashing is actually like becoming a mountain is a strict upgrade. If there's a blood moon in play, definitely I'm, true. I'm, I have been testing ruination in my goto build, so well, yeah. Yeah, but that being yeah, said, I, mean, like, I think we're gonna see this one more than any of the others. Yeah, maybe just not. Maybe not in Urza sense. specifically, just because Urza does play back to basics and it wants to do Mystic Sanctuary stuff a bit more aggressively than the rest of the Mono Blue decks. I think, but I think in like literally every other Mono Blue deck, you're gonna I see this. See, one. I think I think this could see play in Urza. I mean, as a I think non- I think it might. I, I, I think you Keegan, have to try Keegan, it. Keegan, Keegan is gonna is our, our think, resident Urza player is gonna be uh, testing it. He's yeah. an advocate. I think people you are definitely going to be card. testing it, and it might definitely be fine. I just like think that it's 
like it's more iffy in Urza than any of the other mono blue stuff, just because the thing he has with, more with I think is is uh, Urza just makes so much mana, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um. um sure. And then we got so for green, we got Turn Timber Symbiosis. Four green, green, green sorcery. Uh, look at the top seven cards of your library. You may put put a creature card from among them into the onto the battlefield. If that card has a converted mana cost of three or less, it enters with three additional plus one plus one counters on it. Puts the rest in the bottom of your library in a random order. Um, yeah, I mean Silvala, Yasan, Marwin. <laughs> it definitely, yeah. definitely <laughs> mostly Silvala. Or like Savala and Marwin more than Yasan because Yasan yeah. definitely cares about forests a but lot. Like, like yeah, Aquarian and honestly, if you have seven mana with Silvala and like this is your best spell to cast, you're I, losing the I, game I, anywhere. Well, yeah, no, but like, I mean, really... I think it's reasonable if you replace a forest with this, and then you say like sometimes this is like an extra attempt. Yeah, yeah, oh definitely. Well, yeah, you get to you, yeah, like, it's just you like can find a maybe like a. a, a Dusk Watch Recruit or something. Yeah, that's pretty Especially with, yeah, with Silvala, where like, or just green decks, where you really just don't care about your life total as much as yeah. any of the yeah. other monocolor decks. So. It really, though, it really is much more free. The issue with Silvala, though, is that like it only hits one thing. So, like, the live draw in your deck is something like exactly Great Out Guardian, or I guess like Wirewood Symbiote or Korean Ranger, but like nothing else is really that great to hit off of this most of the time. I mean, it definitely Honestly, depends on what you need. Like, yeah. But like so, if you if you if you have infinite mana and this is like digging you for potentially something to yeah, so that's, to that's definitely like outlet, that's the big use. I think it's definitely it's better than a single issue draw that Savala runs into sometimes. I, like I, I'm just I'm just thinking about it in the context of like if I draw this, I don't think I'm happy about it because like usually the bottleneck is getting off the ground rather than having like the density of effects in hand. But like it again, strict upgrade. You're pretty much never gonna not play this in Savala anyway. So. Also, like, Silvala is definitely a deck where sometimes you might look at this and go, like, it's not great, but I have to try because yep. I don't want to. I don't want to pass the turn here. So, like, I think if I, I whiff in the top seven, I whiff in the top seven, but I'm gonna lose if I don't try. So, yeah, I wouldn't keep it as a land in my opener, but or sorry, uh, I would say it the opposite way. I, I would keep it as a land, but I wouldn't keep it as a non-land as far as like how I evaluate the card yeah, in my opening. Fair. Yep. And then, all and then just cards. play it all last, and like if, that, you, right? if you rip some more yeah. lands, you can... Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Alright, and next up we have, for some reason, Skyclave Apparition. <laughs> uh, it casts for one white-white. It is a 2-2 creature core spirit. When Skyclave Apparition enters the battlefield, exile up to one target, non-land, non-token permanent, you don't control with converted mana cost, four or less. When Skyclave Apparition leaves the battlefield... The exiled card's owner creates an XX blue illusion creature token where X is the converted mana cost of the exiled card. So it's like a it's like an O-ring I guess, but on a creature and, and Linden the card seems doesn't to come think back when it leaves. Playing, yeah. yeah, so I guess it's more like um, oh, what's the, the one that gives them a dinosaur? Yeah. Um, <laughs> um. But what, whatever. The, it exiles the thing and then when it leaves they make a 3-3. Three, three. But yeah. Yeah, I guess I, you can I, find I it this on Yassan or like Fiend Artisan or something in like bad decks. Yeah, this is this is like a very niche card that you would consider for like a uh, like a Sans Blue kind of creature based toolboxy deck where you know previously if you wanted to remove a creature or some kind of like permanent like you maybe some decks are running Rexage or, or Caustic Caterpillar or something, um, but removing creatures is a lot more difficult. Um, you know, 
Unless you're in blockers, like this year of Gilded yeah, Drake. Exactly. Yeah. Like if you're <laughs> exactly, it's a very niche, you know, sans blue thing. But the fact that it it, it answers everything and it's not just like a O ring um, effect where if it goes away, it comes back. Like if it goes away, they just get like you know some dorky you know x x creature token which you know in cdh no one cares about so so almost no one cares about obviously timnas and stuff but you know it's something something to consider if you are doing like toolboxy stuff yeah it's definitely nice to consider your birthing pod or your quarter calling or your eldritch evolution as an answer for anything Play. So at one point I would have been happy about this as like uh, just an, another addition to the pile of Hulk piles and pile of Hulk pieces that you can play. Um, but thankfully, <laughs> thankfully that archetype Flash is long banned. dead. Um, I mean, it's still like fine. It's like I just I can't bring myself to try to fit this into a Hulk deck because like I sort of feel like you just want to be on blue hulk anyways so you're gonna be playing gilded drake um but i mean for non for non blue hulk decks in the format now um you have the option of piling this with torch courier and uh i don't know who hates themselves <laughs> enough torch courier to and, a, a and apprentice necromancer in order to in order to uh, double hulk along with having a catch-all for any problematic permanent which like isn't terrible, but getting to the point where your Hulk's in the bin anyway outside of Varal's is an issue with something like a Linvala on board. So mm-hmm. um, nice. Okay. Uh, up next we have Cinderclasm, uh, which is an a red instant for cast for a one and a red. Uh, it has kicker for a red, and it reads Cinderclasm deals one damage to each creature. Uh, if it was kicked, it deals two damage to each creature instead. So, kind of falls in this weird area of like, it's not a doesn't doesn't do two damage on two like it would um, if it was a pyroclasm. It's an instant, which is nice. So it in, off on the front side without kicker, it's kind of like a worse electricery because you can't cast it for one to like you know remove a uh, uh, a mind sensor notion thief and it's not like asymmetrical. So it's it's. Between that, but obviously Electricery has the ceiling of only one damage, whereas this can be, you know, dealing two damage to things. Um, but the, the the doing that on three is rough. Um, so doesn't hit Draneth. Just the obvious. Uh, yeah, I, I think like it's less correct to think about it in terms of like what it does in a vacuum and more correct to think about it in terms of like what it compares to right now, which is like it obviously compares to Flame Sweep. In the yeah. decks that currently play Flame Sweep, and what you really have to think about is um, how much do you care about not hitting your own flyers? Um, which I mean, which is like pretty really much just zero birds. in every deck yeah. except Kickar, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. so in Kickar, but also like any other deck that's playing it is either not going to be playing flyers or is going to be playing like even Mind Sensor or Birds, which is like exactly one card, so it's not really even a factor. And then the other factor is like, how much do you really not want to play pay red red, which is a real cost because you know, like if you're playing like four color Rashmi, red red is not particularly but easy to make. But I think the the counterpoint is that like, I think the jump from one to two is like a lot smaller than it was. 
Yeah. In, or like it has been historically. And and so yeah, the other yeah. so the bonus is also you can cast this for two at instant speed, which yeah. is um fairly attractive, right? Particularly yeah. to kill um uh a couple of threats with flash, like Notion Thief, even Mind Sensor. Yep. And also just wiping dorks in general. You 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 can get most dorks yeah. with uh just one damage. Um and if you can do that with two mana at instant speed, that's pretty nice. Yeah. Him. Yeah, like hit the bloom tender, hit the priest of titanium. Yeah, yeah. Cynoclasm, I think, is just a very weird card to kind of evaluate. There's because there's this kind of you know if you're looking in just red, um, you've obviously got your uh, your things like yeah, like I was saying, electricry. Then you're going into your two CMC you know, sorcery speed clasm tier, then your three CMC instant speed clasm tier, and then your three CMC sorcery speed like three damage wipes. So there's like this this kind of weird tier there, and then if you're not in like exclusively looking at red, you're also like zealous persecution. So depending on where the meta is, it's like okay, is um or, or you can even get like massacre potentially. Like so, it's it's how important is two to remove things? Like how important is asymmetry? Double red? Like evaluating these cards and placing them is so meta dependent. It's yeah. it's really tough. Yeah, it's definitely, is, and it's it definitely like either one of its modes compares poorly to any other card you might compare it to, but staple yeah, together. Flexibility. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the hardest part about this card is is the fact that it doesn't do anything better than something that already exists, and you know, it's how and and I think that the main problem is the modality is usually like if one of those effects is good you'd rather or i think most of the time you'd rather kind of focus in um on those kinds of effects so like i know in in goto the draineth obviously being important i increased like the amount of uh like i cut back on like all the clasms and are running all the uh like uh sweltering suns like three cmc damage wipes so like i, I wouldn't look at like man if this did three that'd be that'd be so gas but yeah change it to multi-kicker okay. oh, <laughs> oh <my>. now <laughs> we're talking yeah. okay let us move to merfolk wind robber for a blue creature merfolk rogue flying whenever merfolk wind robber deals combat damage to a player that player mills a card sacrifice it draw a card Activate this ability only if an opponent has eight or more cards in their graveyard for a 1-1. So I think this is like a classic great Edric card that has an upside. And uh, which I mean, yeah. Edric piles will Edric pilots will find some reason to not play, knowing okay. our luck. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like I have to hate this card because as like oh it's a it's a flying rogue, it's a rogue flying man for Edric. It has so much text and takes so long to read out that I just feel like we're not getting good value, you know? <laughs> the thing the thing yeah. about this is that I think the, the milling a card on damage is it it actually is sometimes relevant. I know um Goto I I tell them to stop running this every time when I go to that server, but they they love their uh, codex shredder. Um and you know what? This will shred imperial seals 
Um, I mean, I can't imagine anyone playing Imperial Seal into this in play. Uh, yeah, the problem <laughs> but, is you actually have to play into it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, but I mean, it, acting as a stacks piece against top deck tutors is sort of no, nice. but it doesn't. Stacks piece against Imperial Just Seal. Just yeah. yeah. sorcery yeah. speed. <laughs> hey, yeah. also stops personal tutor from Urza. Yeah, sorcery speed and, top and tutors. Sylvan tutor from some get wrong. Yeah, I don't know. It's nice. it's an edit card, right? right? It's a flying it's man. It's an card. Um, next, we got Ashaya, Soul of the Wild. So I just want to note that I've been playing with the OG Ashaya for a while <laughs> in my Model Green Nessa EDH deck and Casual. <laughs> I was going to say, down ticks OG to make Ashaya, Ashaya is a token. It is on the a back token. It's like the most well hidden, like legendary. I do have a token, though. I do have an Ashaya token. So. <laughs> a legendary token created by a flipped card. <laughs> Uh, anyway, a Shy Soul of the Wild is the three uh, green, green legendary creature elemental. Um, star, star, power and toughness. It's uh, power and toughness are equal to the number of lands you control. Uh, and it has the ability that non-token creatures you control are forest types in addition to their other types. Um, so this is pretty neat for, first of all, land animation and casual EDH, which I'm assuming is what it's supposed to be for. Um, but interestingly enough, in actual CDH, it does a combo with Crane Ranger and Big Dorks, um, which is pretty interesting for Mono Green um, because when you turn, or sorry, not yeah, Crane Ranger, um, when you turn Crane Ranger into a forest, it can bounce itself to activate its ability, so you can bypass its once per turn clause by just replaying it. Um, so if you have something that, that makes like just two mana out, um, you can just yeah, go anything crazy. better than a green. <laughs> yeah, anything that makes more than one mana and is a creature um, will combo to give it a mana with a Shia plus that. So it's not great in the command zone because obviously you're looking for Korean Ranger plus that, like plus a bigger dork plus an well, outlet. You also and an you outlet, can get redundancy yeah. in the command zone because it also works with Magus at the Candelabra. Yeah, it's just like not good <laughs> it's definitely it's, not good it's just, but where this is sort of interesting is first of all in Silvala because um it can sort of smooth out some of your combo turns and it gives you another route to infinite mana that's not routed directly through Silvala, which is nice um but the big upgrade here is for yasan um basically with uh specific lines um typically turn one or uh, verse one korean ranger into verse two or verse three Raced. or verse four big dork um, and then you just find an outlet on any of the other verses, um, and then verse five. Ashaya, the yes lines are a bit you get there. more like intricate. Like like it's not it's not just the the standard combo line because like yeah yeah because you can, have you can find other stuff as lines well. that are as fast as Ashaya in the past. Like it's just Marwin. it's just streamlined where like it's you, you streamlined just, and it allows like some more Ashaya, protected lines. You can put Ashaya in. into the, the a I, de- or, or into a um into the list in a way that you haven't been able to slot the combos in before because Ashaya, you just like sort of put in Ashaya and you're already playing all the other cards anyway which is nice and then it also like it cleans up very well because you just have to get up to 5 to win because before I think you had to get up you to 4 you can also cheese but, the case yes. you have to double verse on 4 yeah um, which is for the standard combo it locks you is, into yeah. like dedicating your earlier verses a lot more heavily because you have to get an untapper in one well, and, and the thing is is too right first, like you can versus. you could get a, a protected um like you get go for a more protected line with like a sylvan safekeeper first instead of the combo and then you could go into a shia and then into like woodland bellower to find your Quirion ranger or like there, there's there's it there's a bunch of weird kind of side lines yeah. that are kind of fringe that it, it kind of opens up 
And you also can um, do like script ranger yeah. stuff. So you go like turn or verse one. Sylvan. I definitely uh, don't love that you yeah. can't use your untapper before finding this. But yeah. But I mean, it's still it. It just it cleans up the ES lines, which is the big one. It's it doesn't necessarily make ES on that much faster. I would say just because like getting ES on up to verse five is sort of a bit of a task anyway. And I feel like no. my personal opinion also, is like once you get ES on to verse five, you're it feels like you're in a winning position place. anyway. The, the line the line I was looking at I mm. think is is kind of cool because it's actually relevant to what Morgan is saying, um, how you can't use your untapper the, to then go get a Shia. So there, yeah. Scrib Ranger has flash, so you can't do it. You can't combo at, on your turn at sorcery is, speed. Mm-hmm. But what you can do is you can go into um, verse into a Shia next turn. You can do combos with um, the the Scrib Ranger, and then. Relevant if your first verse is something like a uh, uh, Sylvan Safekeeper, you can, and this is this is like uncharted territory in terms of like n- none of the lines are like super worked out or whether or not this is optimal. But um, I was having a discussion with Shaper and he mentioned this as kind of a joke. But you know, I was looking at a uh, Protean Hulk um, in terms of enabling enabling some stuff. And if you get you Sylvan Safekeeper, Protean Hulk to Sylvan Safekeeper. Safekeeper oh my god! And we're moving on. Actually, though, it, it is sort of interesting. Though one thing that we haven't noted yet is that Ashaya also basically, as soon as it hits the board, protects you from every blue piece of removal on the planet, <laughs> which is sort of fun. So uh, once Ashaya I mean, hits the board, decay, but yeah, it also yeah. But once once Ashaya hits the board, you can no longer chain of vapor. Uh, Psychrift, you can't even overload a Psychrift to get rid of their board. Like, you can't do anything really aside from like Pongify and Rapid Hybridization because it turns all your things into lands. And most removal, if it's like generic, will say non land. So, boomerang new yeah. CDH. <laughs> so, uh, there's something to, yeah, to look at. Not Assassin's Trophy though. F and chat. All right. I think that it is me. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so next up, we have a cycle of, but kind of a cycle of lands. There's six of them, uh, and it's the pathway cycle, uh, where uh, they're double face cards, and one side taps for one color of mana, and the other side taps for another. So and you choose when you play them. So we've got Riverglide pathway, which is blue red. Bright climb pathway, white black. Clearwater pathway, uh, blue, blue black. Branchloft Pathway, Green Black, Needle Verge Pathway, Green White, Red White, and Crag Crown Pathway, Red Green. Um, so these are good options for two color decks. I think the Blue Black one will likely see the most play because uh, there's blue a lot black's of good. consult. <laughs> blue Black's good, and people will try and make consult mana bases, particularly in Blue Black. Yeah. Um, and so this is just like another option um, that probably most of the time will make blue but then when you really need the black to cast your like necropotence or and whatever on the complete opposite it. side of this needle verge pathway will see the absolute zero amount of play <laughs> yes <laughs> yes <laughs> because nobody plays boros and no three color plus deck is ever going to want one of these and if so. you were playing boros you would want your planes to be actually planes because yes. you're probably playing blood moon yep <laughs> Yeah, in terms of power level, obviously I don't think the lands are um, that strong. Like I think a lot of times decks would prefer something like the uh, like a fast land. Um, Wait, like but, a like a Mirrodin or Kaladesh land? That's that's a spicy take. 
Because those I, start I think, coming into play tapped real fast. I mean, that's they, they come into play tapped on on turn four, right? That's like on, fast, on your fourth yeah. land drop. I I wouldn't say that's that's too too fast. But the the important thing those with those obviously is that you can play a you know a specific color one drop on turn one, and then you can use that to to pay like double or triple um, things later. Whereas like clear water pathways, like if you want to do a uh, a you know turn one ponder preordain it's not going to help you cast your necropotence later so the the thing that i think it kind of compares to um is like filter lands whereas it's kind of like the opposite effect of a filter land whereas a filter land you know after turn one is just you know amazing for helping you fix colors um obviously with the drawback of you know holding up mana and whatnot but if you're smart with tapping then you can usually get around that um but this is for your it help enables helps enable your turn one uh plays and then just gets worse every turn after but i mean it's still like in a two color deck it's not like a basic is yeah. like a huge liability yeah you're, you're already like for the most part a bit overloaded on a basic so any piece of fixing that you can get is welcomed yeah i think also the blue red one is not like even though blue red is actually a pretty popular color combination probably not going to see a huge amount of play because those decks often run blood moon back to basics yeah and or mystic sanctuary just, which just like yeah 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 um also it should be noted that uh they will be completing i'm pretty sure they've announced that they'll be completing this cycle uh in the next standard set ah. so unlike battle bond lands which have they announced those, those are coming getting, up for commander legends yeah. right yeah. After so like a year. There's no or so. question on whether or not yeah. these are coming or how long it will take. These are coming out. The the rest of the cycle's coming out pretty Actually, I guess it cheeses me like, a little bit that it's a six four split, but hey. I guess I, yeah. I said like I said a year. Has it been two years since Battle Bond? Yeah. That yeah. was in twenty eighteen, yeah, definitely. Yeah, okay. Jeez. Um, so cool. even more so, shame on wizards for waiting exactly. two years to print. Next up, uh we have Thieving Skydiver. So Thieving Skydiver is a creature merfolk rogue. It's a 2-1. It costs, it casts for uh, 1 and a blue. It has Kicker X, where X can't be 0. That's important. Um, and it has Flying. And whenever Thieving Skydiver enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, gain control of target artifact with converted mana cost X or less. Uh, if that artifact is an equipment attached to Thieving Skydiver. If this card could pay x is zero. Oh my oh god it would be yeah great. that'd be oh spooky boy. oh my <laughs> god it would be so good <laughs> that being said paying one to steal a mana crypt is still like a three mana two one flyer in a timna deck that also steals someone's crypt i'm still on it's board. definitely yeah because it, yeah. it basically refunds its own mana right well i mean they tap it so ideally not yeah. really but um yeah yeah i i've man me, i mean every set i'm like you know what i think timna might slowly be getting just not the cards it needs and then we get these amazing timna jars so, that almost specifically need evasion and then some mobility attached to it so i'd say <laughs> yes on all of that but like i'm not particularly excited for this because personally i just feel like thought adele is just the better card <laughs> i was gonna say that dude you you, like, you fucking sniped like, me on I've that man played... i was gonna say this is Thada Adele. I played a this is, but, fair but, yeah. like I've played more than I should have with Thada Adele and Timna. And like this just looks worse to me. <laughs> well, okay. I was, so, yeah, so dude, doesn't collect infinite soul rings, man. Two two things. One, it doesn't cost double blue. Two, you 
like you get the thing a lot sooner or somewhat sooner not that much sooner um but i think the big thing is that you take someone's soul yeah so yeah so so the whole thing is like you put somebody down a piece of ramp and they also can't remove it before you take their thing but that being said like as soon as you get two attacks in with thada it's like so much better and even before even before then if there's if there's no like soaring or mana crypt out you're like only taking a mox which i mean yeah you're taking a mox but it's not as good as like the next turn swinging and then taking a you can also take like uh one of the the fun things to do with that adele is you can take people's sorry you can take people's senses divining tops yeah so you can draw cards and then you can also like mess up their their top decks. Yeah, you can put sometimes. it on top of their deck <laughs> and make them <Yeah>. annoyed. <laughs> Attack them. Yeah, that's I, funny actually. I feel like it's also it's like it's not a good use of our time, but it is kind of an interesting discussion of what's better flying or island walk. Yeah. I feel like true. That's that's kind yeah. of yeah. Island walk, but okay. Yeah, it's walk. island walk. <laughs> <laughs> Um, sure. Uh, let's yeah. Let's move on. So, Archon of Amiria is our last one, I think, or maybe yeah, it's our last, yeah, that's our last one. Uh, two and a white creature Archon for a two-three flying. Each player can't cast more than one spell each turn. Non-basic lands your opponent's control enter the battlefield tapped. It's kind of so we, we we said that we were doing these in orders from shitters to heavy hitters, and it's kind of telling about this set that this is the <laughs> this heaviest is the heavy hitter, hitter. <laughs> yeah it's not even a card i think is going to see like a crazy amount of play like it, it definitely has it, it's definitely the all-star in, in certain cdh decks but uh, not necessarily like the most popular yeah. ones okay first of all i would this this is my favorite card and in the set because not not just because it's the most powerful but i do like this goes into several of the decks that i play um just off the bat I love that it's an Archon. Archon is my favorite creature type. Just these like cool things running griffins and and, yet, and, and guess who doesn't play cool. Archon of Valor's Reach in the CDH decks? What wow. I do. Do you? Yeah, I do. In your CDH decks? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry in your CDH decks, right? Uh, no, I I no. remember playing like a high mid high power game and you had Archon of Valor's Reach, but Never in a CDH deck. No, you haven't. You haven't in my um. So Anafenza Raspberry Jam has turned into oh, no. uh Tana Timna yeah. Raspberry Jam. Yeah, we played some oh, some like mid high power games. I remember. Uh, oh my god! Yeah, classic joke, Hardy Har. But yeah, no, I, I I've been I've been happy with Archon in my. I was mainly putting it in there to test. I've been pretty happy with it. Um, but uh, yeah, I just another Archon for the for the collection. But yeah, so. It, in in decks, so my the Raspberry Jam deck, and I'm, I think you know, Blood Pod and and you know these other Staxy White Bears decks are even like yeah, Timna Timna Bears decks. The fact that it has flying is just just wow. And yeah. it if you want a lot of rule of law effects on creatures, like this is just you know a, a slam dunk well, so even if you, you know, don't want a lot of rule of law effects on creatures even if you want like one rule of law effect to play in your timna deck yeah and the, the like the the non-basic land clause it definitely doesn't justify a card but it's definitely not like you would you know, oh, people don't play like three mana yeah. yeah. but it's yeah. definitely yeah. like very real gravy yeah it's not just yeah yeah if this is if if 
if a rule of law effect on a creature is is you know the like just vanilla ice cream this it the flying is maybe some sprinkles right this non-basic land entering tapped dude that's that's some like you know chocolate sauce caramel sauce like whipped cream and a cherry mm. on top it's like i was like, about to say yeah, so it's like just so it's like omnath is every right? flavor of dorito and then uh archon of area <laughs> is the ice cream yeah the ice well, cream sundae I was gonna say, it's like <laughs> it's like you open up like a chocolate bar and there's like another half a chocolate bar in the packaging <laughs> oh my god no yeah it's it's, it's, it's like when you order sick. a three-piece tender combo and there's a fourth yeah it's like when you pick up a box of timbits and there's a couple of extra in there it's like, yeah, it's like when you get fries and they slipped in one onion ring <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's like when you get onion rings and there's an extra fry in there no, no, it's, not, no, no, no it's, it's definitely no, no. it's definitely yeah, the onion no. ring in the fry box. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, it's like when there's like that extra little bit of like a crispy um, uh, fry coating on like a fried chicken. It's like the mm. extra little extra little bit on there. Little craggle, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. I got you. This is starting to sound like a gut check if you if you ask me. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't think is there is there anything anyone else wants to say about this set or Archon of Amiria, but I mean I think this card yeah. this card and and we we've covered everything pretty 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 good. Um cool. So our next uh topic that we're we're going to be covering in the show is what kinds of cards do you like to see in new sets? You know, it's a little bit uh thematic for this set, so uh or mm. for this episode. Well, for this set as well, I guess, but yeah, <laughs> because we yeah, didn't true, see true. any of them. <laughs> okay, we so who, who wants to kick things off for uh, sure? This? this is the easiest one. So yeah, <laughs> can we want to see new commanders because we play the a format called Commander. Yeah. Anyone else? Oh, Anyone yeah, else interested this- in seeing new things that can be your commander? Um, though we do have uh, a restriction. We have a couple of caveats. We've, got, yeah. we've yeah, <laughs> we we've gone over this before, but uh, it's definitely worth reiterating now. Which is, we're not necessarily the biggest fans of four co- or five color commanders, and specifically ones that kind of just provide generic value, like Kenrith or, I mean, I guess Golos. Uh, I mean, there've been plenty, uh, and also like we're not trying to see new partners that create five color decks. That's for sure. Or less than five codex, just no partners in general, please. Yes, please. Yes. Oh, or God. for that matter, Commander Legends, no. Or for that matter, stuff yeah. that just like generates generic value, like. <laughs> so okay, I don't actually have an issue. Like I, I kind of disagree. I assume we're talking about stuff like uh, Helen and Corvold here. Yeah, I am totally fine seeing those new cards as long as we also get like fun and interesting stuff. I don't wish, at least from a competitive perspective, maybe in casual, I don't wish that Corvold was never printed or Helen was never printed. I kind of no, do because not. they yeah. take up a lot of the, like, the. there's just, the, the, the if you look on EDHX, so now we're, we're delving in a bit into um, casual and the Im- impacts of things on casual, because those take up a lot of the deck shares based off, you know, newer players or, or just people like to gravitate towards those so um you know Muldrotha, Corvold, Holland, like all of these cards are just whew, massively popular so, so I, I'm I'm not a fan of the generic do a thing draw a card 
stuff. I think that there's, you know, we've discussed it, but if you can just do something that's, you know, you don't, it doesn't have to be, um, yeah, I get, sorry, from like, like from a competitive yeah. perspective. So yeah, Corvold or like Helen, you know, sitting down in mid power and just like, Oh, look, it's Corvold deck number 78 or whatever Yeah, is, is pretty lame. But like, I don't, I don't think that they've done anything unhealthy from a competitive standpoint. I wish they would also print like more interesting stuff and stuff that is more unique. And like, I guess you could argue that they're sort of taking away from that because every time they print a generic value commander, they don't print. But certainly, yeah, and it like, also kind of come. It also becomes harder to pick the more interesting but, uh, commanders. Like, like if they printed both, I. I think I'd rather they printed both than only printed the interesting one, assuming like nothing else was changed. Hmm. Yeah. See, I, I think in competitive they just don't really add anything. All they do is is you know it's another avenue for someone who wants to be hipster and play like like Gitrog is pretty close to a to this kind of effect, but it does something. So you're saying that Gitrog doesn't add anything? <laughs> Right, like it, <laughs> it's if Gitrog had been if Dakmore hadn't existed, like obviously Gitrog's not really a deck, but you could you can envision a world where it's like if Gitrog looked more like Tatiova, right? Tatiova has combos, but it's just not like it's not doing anything particularly interesting. And sure. I think Corvold well, is very similar. Like, I like, guess I just can't bring myself to think of like any of the do a thing draw card commanders that are listed as a culprit. I can't bring myself to think of them as a problem in CEDH. Like, at all. It's more just that, like, a lot of them are boring. <laughs> Rather than yeah, being yeah, problematic. They're, they're boring until they're not, and then when they're not, they're broken. Well, sure, but, like, I'm just saying that I, I don't think I don't think it's unhealthy for like Wizards trend, to give yeah. people boring options beside the interesting options. Like, I don't think that's a problem. Yeah, I, I, wish, I wish, like, something... Like, if, if they just put in any text besides draw a card, man. Like, Mazarek. Mazarek is cool. Like, that's interesting. It, even though it's, like, you know, does the same, oh, if someone sacrifices a, a, a permanent, do a thing. But it, it makes you, it forces you to explore other synergies, whereas, you know, drawing a card, no synergies required. Right? And and just that, I, I like CDH decks that um, explore, you know, unique synergies. And yeah, you know, just partners of kind of Ooh, are I mean, just I, the best thing to be doing in the kind of generic value tr- engine, uh, generic yeah, generic value engine. But you know, printing more cards that are generic value engines in like, I mean, it's, I think- it's just slightly different. It's it's like it's it's like uh, like the the, the flavored waters. Right where it's <laughs> oh you know this is slightly slightly grape flavored, slightly orange flavored. It's it's like not interesting. Okay, well, I mean, I think. Arguably, uh, the these sort of generic commanders that we're talking about do actually explore new stuff in CEDH. Like, because, sh- sure, like, wow, every Holland deck has a Shrieking Drake in it, but, like, Shrieking Drake isn't a card that goes in other CEDH decks. I think it's actually good to see decks that aren't, like, piles of the same staples over and over again. And, like, I think that these decks, even if they're, like, fairly obvious synergy pieces, at least offer something like that. Maybe Corvold's a bit of a better example, where I don't necessarily think it adds too many new cards. 
I mean, I guess Dockside was like already busted, but like there's there's yeah. some some stuff that like is. I think well, I, one nice part about Corvold in competitive meta is that it can actually just one shot people. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's dude, I'm I'm a hundred percent down for them just printing more commanders that can feasibly one shot people. <laughs> one shot. <laughs> Take those words back. I don't want to be one shot and then just watch a two hour game. <laughs> sure. Well, I guess the thing is, is that most Corval decks don't like leverage his ability that much outside of like exactly Dockside. But so, like, I don't know. I don't yeah. think that. Like, I think that like Mystic Sanctuary, Ancient Tomb, Tatiova, Ghostly Flicker combos is like a lot more interesting than like generic Nas Consult number five. Yeah, me too. Definitely true. That being yeah. said, Matt, are you saying that you wouldn't like to see a partner printed that had 11 powers that you could pair with Bruce Tarl and just one-shot people? Okay, maybe I would. <laughs> but then I would be the bad guy. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be the guy uh, who says that they're okay being the bad guy as long as they're the bad guy. I'm pretty sure there's already been a partner printed that has 11 power. Yeah, um, come on. It's called Ishai. um yeah Uh, i don't know i I think ultimately cdh the less cdh is is basically like just at your commander is a a phyrexian arena with with just you know some different flavor or filter on top of it uh the better right yeah i think it really boils down to like definitely more like i'm i'm bored at this point with things drawing cards i want to see different ways of generating value and doing interesting things rather than just drawing cards <laughs> okay that yeah. being said uh if we have like 20 more kickers i'm not gonna be that happy <laughs> like if we're gonna replace drawing cards with making mana then yeah <laughs> we're, we're not going anywhere true, true um okay so next up uh, we have on, on this is just a list of kinds of cards we like to see in new sets um so next up we have tech choices so who wants to start this one sure i'll uh, hmm. i'll sort of give a give an overview so this is like uh seeing cards that have you know some use that probably already exists but maybe some uh other upside or downside so like cinderclasm might be uh, might be a good example where like okay pyroclasm exists flame sweep exists but you know maybe my deck you know the mana the mana is like tight so flame sweep always costing three is like pretty rough but we want to be able to do it at instant speed for whatever reason um and just sort of giving people more options for like a given effect particularly something sort of toolboxy um Another example, I guess, would be uh, be the like Skyclave apparition, where it's like, okay, well, if I'm a creature toolbox deck, uh, I, uh, you know, I want something that can remove things, and like this is a little bit more generic. Maybe it has downsides over, you know, it can't remove like bigger things if that was potentially relevant in your meta, like oh, I can't remove Seedborn Muse or whatever. Um, so just you know giving options on the margins for cards particularly that form parts of toolboxes is always good because it lets people tailor their decks to their meta and the kinds of threats that they're encountering i think one thing too about tech choices is that if it's not and and the important thing that makes it a tech choice is that it's not like an auto include or a strict upgrade over another card 
So I wouldn't like Archon of Emeria is not a tech choice. Um because it's just the strict upgrade version of uh you know Eidolon or Rhetoric if you're if you're already running that, right? So yeah. it's in some ways, like if if uh, a rule of law is already a tech option, like it, you might consider it like a tech choice, right? Like it's like, oh, you know, I've got this like slower, grindy Timna deck that you know maybe I would be I would consider teching in a rule of law. So like it's it's sort of tech, but like that, but that's that's not really how I I mean um, envision it at least. Certainly, I think that tech choices can overlap with like other categories we have listed. Like we have hate pieces listed, yeah. and we have interaction listed, and like. I think that Drown in the Lock, for example, was a tech choice, uh, as well as obviously being interaction. Um, yeah, I, I just don't think it should be a strip, strict upgrade over something yeah. that kind of already exists, sure. or yeah. just a new auto-include. Yeah. Like, I don't think Allosaurus Shepherd is a tech piece, because if you're playing a deck that utilizes, like, Allosaurus Shepherd is good enough, you it's like an auto-include tier, right? You're not teching in an Allosaurus Shepherd because maybe your meta is, like, you know, it's good in your meta. It's like, if your deck, if it's good for your deck, then you're just running it, because that, that that's the one where it's a tech tech choice doesn't just have to be a card that's you know not seeing play in every deck that it can. That's not necessarily what makes a tech choice, um, at least in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I think I think Morgan mentioning the Skyclave apparition was was a perfect example, and I think just having more tech choices allows for uh, more not just adaption to the meta your local meta, which is good. I think it just gives allows people to put more personal flavor into their decks and helps increase like deck diversity so not everything is just a list of staples yeah i guess which is nice i think glenn what you were trying to differentiate is like uh, we don't want to see sort of substantial generic power upgrades or that's not what we mean when we say tech choices yeah 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 cool cool uh so next up we have hate pieces um i think the the only box we actually ticked this set <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> uh so we have here a caveat which is let's keep things symmetrical um and that's kind of just a like so some things it's it, this is this is a caveat with caveats because the Skyclave Apparition, no, sorry, not Sky, uh, the Archon of Emeria has an asymmetrical, like, uh, non-basic land hate effect, which, you know what? I'm fine with that kind of asymmetry. Uh, the kind of asymmetry that, you know, we're I'm not fine with, and I'm sure everyone else in the podcast is not fine with, is uh, Draneth. Oh, boy. You just, yeah. What a card. And we've, we've talked yeah. that card to death, uh, so we're not going to get into it again, but you know, keeping things symmetrical generally means fair. Although, in order for something to be good in CDH as a hate piece, uh, you need to be taking advantage of that. Um, you basically, it basically needs to be asymmetrical in the way that your deck is built and how it plays out. Right? Uh, yeah, I definitely think Archon of a Mirror is a much healthier card than if you yeah. swapped which clause was asymmetrical here. It, it needs to have a deck building restriction associated with it. Um. Yeah, I think like, that's the key. Yeah. I don't think the the non basic land clause on Archon like doesn't make it a hate piece. Like I think you can even argue that's like technically on a technical sense that's a tech choice. <laughs> so I, I I think that this very much is uh, strictly a hate piece, and I'm not at all uh, worried about the fact that it's non symmetrical and a, and a very tech based clause. I mean, yeah. there's always that whole thing about like 
always like like you want good hate pieces right like you don't want just like terrible like eight mana whatever hate pieces so part of like power level is that like asymmetrical things are inherently more powerful so you sort of just have to like accept some of that sometime just to like get a card that's at the level where you actually want to play it but yeah well the, hmm. the asymmetry either has to be you know printed onto the card or yeah as as matt was saying in built into yeah, the deck yeah. but, but i'm just yeah, i'm just, order, I'm, I'm just saying that play. like you know like in general um asymmet- asymmetry tends to be more powerful than symmetry so like sometimes an effect has to be asymmetrical in order for it to be like enticing enough for you to want to play with it yeah um (laughs) like non-basic lands entering (laughs) (laughs) tapped that that would really terrible (laughs) oh i can't i do can you imagine having to play against a card that makes your non-basic lands come to play tapped (laughs) i certainly can (laughs) Uh, Morgan, you want to get this next section? Sure. Uh, next up, we have interaction. Now, this is, I mean, this is a fairly self-explanatory category, but I do want to say this is a fine line because we've definitely seen some interaction that's maybe unhealthy um, in the past uh, I, little while. I feel, so I, feel- I think that, like, uh, examples of things that I think are unhealthy or are, are, like Fierce Guardianship and Deflecting Squad, I think were very unhealthy. Um, because Veil of Summer and yeah, Veil of Summer. Um, things that I think were very healthy were um, Dovin's Veto uh, is a big one. Drown in the Lock is less big, but uh, still, still pretty good. Um, that sort of stuff. I mean, uh, going, uh, we're going a I little think, farther back here, but like Assassin's Trophy. I think Miscast is also a great example. Yeah, definitely. I'd I'd like if they can focus on cards that are better at stopping people than protecting your stuff well, force uh, of negation with with flash gone right i think force of negation yeah, is, is yeah. So, force negation's i think yeah. i think the general idea though is like maybe like less about like oh like better at stopping people than doing whatever like we might need more of that more power in that area sure but i think it's more just about like print interaction that's just like good alternatives but isn't like strictly better or better um, in a lot of cases in the stuff that we already have, right? Like, don't power creep stuff by printing, like, Fierce Guardianship. Just, like, give us more options and areas so that, like, you can tune your interaction suite better, right? I mean, a lot of things end up just being power creep. Like, well, is yeah, Do- obviously. Dovin's Veto is but, a power creep negate. Yeah, yeah. But, like, I mean, lots, pretty much every, well, lots I mean, of things are power creep But, I'm talking, but yeah. I'm talking about, like, stuff like uh, Miscast, um, Drown of the Lock, cards like that, where it's like, yeah, like, there are downsides to playing these, but it's also like, I my deck might really want this effect, and it's like there are like there it gives you more choices in your suite and it improves skill in deck or like it it increases skill required in deck building, right? Where it's like okay, like I actually have to think about what I'm putting into my interaction suite. Yeah, cards with downsides and upsides over other cards are are good. I would say, <laughs> yeah, generally. just in general. <laughs> Uh, yeah, one card that we didn't mention is Feed the Swarm. Um, I mean, I don't know about like CDH level viability, but I'm sure Crick is Dude, thinking Crick about. Crick is so happy about Feed the Swarm. Yeah, <laughs> is it? Dude, like, yes, you get to get the like problematic enchantments of the way, but like, as a you know, unless you're removing like something crippling, which is like presumably rule of law. <laughs> which the whole, I mean, like, if I feel losing like... losing life is 
brutal in Crick. Yeah. If you've ever seen someone Crick blocked, oh my god. It's interaction and it's a tech choice, okay? It's a, it's clearly it's clearly an all-star. <laughs> um Okay. Yeah, I mean like Morgan did a pretty good job covering interaction. Yeah. Uh I think this is one that's the next section, which is pieces that enable old commanders is one that like is pretty pretty it's something that like lots of CDH players will resonate with. And just it's you don't necessarily have to print a new commander in order to introduce a new deck to CDH, which is, you know, pretty cool. So Godo obviously was not a deck until Helm the Host was printed. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's a new, you know, lower tier deck into CDH. And this this is the kind of thing I, I really like. Um probably more so than than printing new commanders. Um just just because I don't know. There, I mean, there's, yeah. there's something fun. I mean, there's I think I do know. About it. I think yeah. it. I think it's not. I think it just based on the quality of old commanders. They aren't just generic draw commanders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's probably it. <laughs> the printing of finale of devastation made Anala Spellseeker like an actual deck. That was pretty spicy. Like the lines were real bad until then. Finale of devastation. Wait, is the sorry. green one. That's the yeah. green one. Sorry, finale of promise the red one okay yeah yeah um like the getting that double like one spell seeker trigger getting you like mana and another spell seeker is like what that line needed to not be terrible and obviously mm-hmm. it needed spell seeker which itself was printed after Inala, but not as much after as finale yeah, I don't know. I, I, Not that Enola is a particularly old <laughs> commander, being twenty seventeen, but it's it is pretty. There's there's very few, I would say, cards that they can print that you know just enable old commanders enough to bring them into CDH. They're gonna um, print a Marath combo piece one day. It's gonna happen, I believe. There there's pretty high requirements for being a CDH deck, um, and like the car, the new card printed has to be, uh, you know a combo piece like it like brings a deck that's already a decent like value deck into the the combo piece um area or like you know it, it that's that's pretty much it right like combo pieces are really the only thing that that um bring decks um into the forefront. sort of i mean like it's it's also very reasonable that like there are some other things where that aren't necessarily combo pieces that could get printed but are like very specific engines that like generate a lot of value i mean i guess there's also like lock pieces technically like lock pieces but i'm also talking about like stuff like um say like uh boros commander like they print like an equipment that i don't like i don't i don't know how it could be better than skull clamp already is but like something that like matches skull clamp um in efficiency for like producing cards but only with like a specific commander in boros like that that's another thing that would bring a commander to the forefront right that like still doesn't sound good enough. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, like, like just like. Thing. So it's it's a it's an equipment that can you can't cast can so you, you can only find it with Godo and put it into play directly Suspense. and then just has a a zero activated ability and you can only activate once per turn to draw you two cards. You know, that's uh, R slash hmm. custom magic. Here we go. <laughs> 
I have a hard time thinking of examples along the line that you're talking about, Reed. But like, just like stuff like I don't know. Um, I, well, I, I think there's also there's stuff that like you can clean up combo lines or potentially yeah. like have some combo utility, but also be useful outside of the yeah. combo. Like a card like a Shia, where it's like the, Yisan can combo without it, but like it cleans it up. Obviously, Yisan's like was debatably viable already, so it's not like a huge deal. But something like that in another deck, where it's like, okay, this really sort of cleans up a combo that already existed, or means that like we can cut, you know, some bad cards for some good cards. Like again, this is already a viable deck, but the upgrade in Razakats from like Schrodinger's cat to um to consult, you know, really cleans that deck up a lot. Again, it was yeah. previously viable, so whatever. But yeah. S- stuff along those lines. I support I suppose Lithoform engine is kind of in the a little bit like that where there actually is definitely more reason to be playing Brago and Prego was at some point definitely considered a C gauge deck, and now like you have a reason to play it again. So yeah, that's fair. Um, <laughs> the the next piece, honestly, our next point here that we have listed is synergy pieces, and it kind of fits in what we were previously talking about. With um, it's like the reverse category, kind of where yeah. like more like I guess. Yeah, like I, like I was thinking about this. I'm like, I guess technically, Lab Jason Thassa's Oracle kind of count as synergy pieces. Where like, con- like the console, like console was always a deck or has been a deck for a while, and then they started printing redundant, you know, MTO library win effects, and that's really what made well in terms of synergy, much better synergy pieces. I would think more like when I read synergy pieces, I was thinking more like Fiend Artisan. Uh, I I. Think like ramming up excavator for Gitrog. Sure, that's yeah. Like, yeah. That, that's a or really or good even one that was, like um, yeah, collector roof is like it's obviously a hate piece, but it's also kind of a synergy piece in that it's much much more acceptable or accessible in decks that want to be hating on artifacts. Like there's loyal apprentice is a I was cool. I going to say for this one, like I mean, okay, we don't Mayhem need Devil. Timna synergy pieces. <laughs> Man, I'm cool. gonna draw the line. We don't need Timna synergy pieces. We don't need Thrasio synergy pieces. Hey, like, oh, what are you talking? No, I need so many more Brownmancers familiars so I can recreate what I did last yeah, Sunday. Yeah, I actually do. <laughs> <laughs> um, by the way, we're, was it even satisfying? Because you didn't even oh, get a full turn so cycle before satisfying. you just conceded. It was so satisfying. <laughs> you have no idea. For- but like, you just won. You didn't get to like sit on our chest and drool into our open mouths for half an hour what's the point i mean i did uh, okay i i got to do the thing that i wanted to do which was win an instant seed but i also got to do a lot of other broken things <laughs> that was, he had one mana threats oh it was so good apparently i went, we're never I went turn one turn <laughs> one training ground turn two thrasios turn three balance is familiar and then i played a seaborn muse <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that's evil and then that's true they evil. bounced the seaborn muse took my thrasios and then i took my thrasios back played the seaborn muse again no no then, you didn't take your thrasios back sorry, I because took, i could have yeah, stopped that took, you took looter scooter's thrasios ah <laughs> back i could have sacrificed then your played, thrasios and in then, response to you taking and then back. played the seaborn muse again and then won in the next person's main phase 
Oh boy, it was fun. Oh, it was great. <laughs> At least it was over quickly. And the final thing <laughs> no, on our list. All the that's things all we on got. our list. Wow. We're done. Wow, the final a, thing on our list is mid-power bombs, which is all I yes. really care about in the set. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, there were 280 mid-power bombs we get, in this set. When are we going to get yeah. them to leave the nest and make their own podcast? <laughs> Alright, now it's time for everyone's favorite segment. <laughs> Good, Good Jack! Check. Checkerino. Good check. Okay. So, I came up with a gut check this week that we're going to probably have to, you know, after I give it, we're going to have to, you know, wait some amount of time, cut the the silence while everyone prepares their answers. But this is blatantly stolen from basically every MTG podcast that I've been doing set reviews or getting listener questions. Uh Um, And that is, who, which members of the podcast... If you had to designate which members of the podcast corresponded to which role in the party, what would it be? So for the party mechanic in Zendikar is uh, it's clerics, warriors, wizards, um, and rogues. So mm. we have four members of the podcast. You know, let's let's all take a minute and and think of. Uh, who corresponds to what party member? So I can, I can Is this in my, terms of our my, gameplay or in terms of our role in the podcast? <laughs> whatever you want, man. Whatever yeah, you want. You come up with well, give, it, okay, give, give us, give us a guideline here. Like, what's the... No. Because no, no, no. <laughs> like, no, I want some amount of consistency in, like, what we're all... What question we're all answering. So, like, is it... No, let's uh, all answer different questions, man. I've, I've got oh, my. Man, that's how we do. Yeah, if we all come up with different gut checks for ourselves and then answer those gut I checks. I want to see. I think part of the interest of this question is to see how everyone interprets. You know how they should answer it. So, you know what? Mm. Let's. Okay. Okay. So after much deliberation, uh, we are back with our answers, uh, and so the format we're going to be following is we're going to give the name of, of a podcast host and then we're all going to say what we put for them and give our justifications and we're going to proceed down the list so we'll start i guess we'll do the we'll do the introduction the introduction order so first is going to be me i feel like it was better when we didn't tell people what the order was <laughs> like we just like had this order yeah, and- yeah. Explicit. <laughs> okay so what did everyone put for linden all right so i put going in order as well oh okay we're going in order yeah so then i will give myself what i put for myself first i put warrior for myself and the justification for that is that i got into a i had two solid picks and then two like weak picks and this is what the the left the picks. i feel like i feel like yeah uh, we should, if that's we to do with uh, i i picked roles based off of um podcasting uh justification yeah, so in terms of like the I, I find the warrior to be the more like obviously bombastic or you know kind of charge in ahead and i definitely like take up a lot of audio time on the podcast <laughs> so maybe that kind mm. of works all right Matt. okay so uh matt sure yeah i've got you as uh the rogue and i but set aside all possible bad connotations of the word rogue because there are a lot <laughs> I don't mean sure. any of them. I'm not. But a, yeah, you're none of the background. I just mean like, uh, I mean you bring up 
mid power more than anyone else, so I think that's who has the road. <laughs> it's just the knife <laughs> just back continuously. Yeah, so I also gave Lyndon the Warrior role because it's like it. I more pictured it as like an adventuring party, like Lyndon's the tank. <laughs> he pulls all he pulls all the aggro and holds all the aggro, and <laughs> is also just like the person always in the lead during podcasting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I wonder how I, similar our list. I also read. put Lyndon as the warrior yeah. for very similar reasons, and also because yeah. of his aversion to playing blue. Yep. Dude, that was yeah, part of the consideration for the last two, dude. <laughs> I was also like, man, even though this is because I was trying to do this based off the podcast, yeah. right? I was like, the version to playing blue is not on theme, but you know, like maybe that's just the deciding factor at the end. Um, okay, so what did everyone put for Matt? Um, I'll start. I put Matt down as Rogue uh, because in terms of the podcast, you know, Rogues are sneaky and I think Matt... <laughs> doesn't like they're you know quiet maybe and and matt participates uh you know or takes up the least amount of time with with just air on on the podcast so his his content is usually sure. like well thought out and uh yeah oh yeah i guess yeah. i've told myself right yeah uh so i put myself as the ally wait Am I derping? Ally isn't part of yeah, the party. Yeah, you're derping. Yeah. It's warrior, wizard, cleric, rogue. Oh, the I thought Ally was okay. Never mind. No, no I just said Ally Tazri? on Tazri because Tazri. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. But I would be the ally. <laughs> I mean, if that was deep. part of the party. I thought about doing like Ally. So Ally as our editor yeah. would kill. What's uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's actually really funny. Um, okay, well, I was gonna say we're all the wizards because we play magic. But I guess if I have to pick the one that I didn't allocate, I guess I'm the wizard. <laughs> nice, Matt. <laughs> I wanted a wholesome end, and I screwed it all off. Nice. Uh, I put Matt down as the cleric, because more of a support role, you know? <laughs> sure. Same thing. Yeah, I, I definitely yeah. I put Matt down as the cleric yeah. as well. Just keeping the party together, yep. you know? People get bruised up, and he's just there to smooth things yep. over and let us keep going. Yeah. Okay. What did everyone put for Reed? Uh, I gave Reed Wizard, um, mostly because it was the last. This was this was the toss up <laughs> between Warrior and Wizard yeah. for between me and Reed. So uh, I was like, okay, You're I can justify Warrior for myself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. That's exactly. So Reed, you're the Wizard. Um, I guess in terms of podcasting, uh, you're. Talking about uh, and I massive know, that's, DPS, that's a big F F on that one. Yeah, <laughs> always catching fireballs. <laughs> well, I put Reed as the warrior, and you may be surprised by this one, but um, he always charges headfirst into Hulk piles in every single point we make. So, <laughs> if he fights for a cause, it's Hulk I piles. Be... No, I guess it won't be different. So Morgan's gonna be the double up because I put myself down as the rogue. Um, okay. I don't know. I just feel because rogues tend to be shitty people. <laughs> <They're> just <laughs> shitty nice. person. Like, oh yeah, there's something I can yeah. steal. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> the the classic chaotic neutral. The, yeah, just the absolute <laughs> sorry, worst. Chaotic stupid. And I, I don't think I don't think you could describe any other role in a party as the absolute worst. So I think it just matches. You know. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, so Reed and I don't have the exact same lists. Uh, I put him down as the wizard because he's just constantly experimenting and trying new stuff and brewing with garbage brewing <laughs> wizard commanders. And <laughs> I didn't even like, mention literally this every card we ever discuss. He's like, yeah, so I have a brew for that. <laughs> like. It's truly yeah, incredible true. because in, in terms of arcane I do a knowledge lot of and like yeah. But... Um, okay. Last but not least, it's Morgan. By so process of elimination. I, pe- <laughs> I, I put Morgan down as cleric because as the you know you're talking about support role and and you know healers are the are the you know a, a cornerstone of any adventuring party, but they also it, it, any anyone who plays a, a healer in like a a MOBA or like any any game will tell you just how underappreciated they are in terms Aww. of like what they do. And they just and and they bitch all the time on <laughs> on like online about, you know, oh man, no one appreciates all the stuff we do. But so Morgan Morgan does like a uh, editing for the show and like keeps us on schedule and does the finances and and you know manages social media. So you know he definitely does a lot of the the hidden behind the scenes work and probably doesn't get enough credit for it so that's why i picked the cleric oh <laughs> i feel so like I also put morgan cl- as the cleric as well <laughs> i feel like clerics are and- also usually like smug assholes so <laughs> yeah. no, i'm just better than you i'm like a wizard but i can also heal people and basically just better yeah i've i, I put him as the leader the resident leader of the CDH community, but read CDH community as just religion because I don't think he does anything else but think about CDH. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. <laughs> yeah, like a lots of lots of clerics have their um I guess like in D D they have like affiliations to like gods and religions and stuff, right? So I mean actually I've I've never played D so like I'm I'm pulling this out of whatever you know, You're not random wrong. knowledge I have. Yeah, okay. So the, yeah, Morgan's affiliation is to the Church of CDH. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I put yeah, I put Can't Morgan read. down as the wizard just because the <laughs> like Morgan has done more writing on the theory of CDH out of like pretty much anybody in the community. <laughs> I think at this point. <laughs> <laughs> True. So pretty much like just from that standpoint alone, but also just you know. Uh, in all of main <laughs> and constantly playing different decks. <laughs> yeah. Do I main in all? I don't think I main anything. But Morgan has high yeah. affinity for wizards. In, in I do. I, I, Anala is mainable I at have this point. All three wizard commanders from the wizard deck built currently. So fair enough. That's was that 20, 2017. 20 to 2017. Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, and I put myself as the rogue, um, because I mean, rogues are often, uh, the skill monkeys of the party. It's like, oh, we need someone who can, you know, climb things. It's like, oh, well, the rogue's like, well, I guess if I sneak in, I guess I'll take climb or whatever. Um, and also because while they may seem like they're quiet and sneaky, they actually wind up taking up a huge amount of playtime and actual gameplay because oh they go off God, and do things they? by themselves. <laughs> <and> then... <laughs> so, oh. uh, yeah. I put myself as the and, and to wrap it up, the ally role the ally is role... given to the listeners of oh. the podcast. Wow. <laughs> Just shafting roadkill. Fucking brutal. Okay. 
I guess Roadkill uh, does listen to the podcast, so he's included in that. Yeah. But um, definitely yeah, you're a all, big shit. <laughs> you're all the allies of the party. So, um, okay, so I'd be very interested to hear what all of the listeners think. Um, you know, it, who was the most right in terms of, of uh, party assignments or, you know, if, if they think uh, it's something completely different. Uh, what everyone's justifications? I don't know. I, I really like this gut check question, um, even though I blatantly ripped it off of every other content creator, just because it's you know what it's it's everyone everyone was copying each other because it was a good, yeah, good I'll, question. I'll, so, I'll, yeah. I will definitely be putting up a, a channel for people to vote in on the Discord um, when this episode goes up. So go check that out if you want to check out what people's responses are and vote yourself. Also, to anyone who's ever said that four people is probably too many to have on a podcast. <laughs> Incorrect. The perfect amount. It was, in fact, the longest con. Literally <laughs> almost two years in the making, but it paid off. <laughs> <laughs> For this exact gut check. <laughs> Got him. Okay. Well, that about wraps up for this episode. If you guys would like to reach out to us with any questions, comments, or concerns, you can contact us on Twitter at IntoTheNorthPod via our email into northpodcast at gmail.com or on our discord server the invite link for which can be found in the description for this episode uh an extra special thanks to all of our patrons to help cover the expenses for our show and allow us to work towards improving the quality of the podcast if you too would like to become a patreon we are at patreon.com slash into north podcast um another way you can support us is via our tcg player affiliate link so anytime you want to purchase something from tcg player if you use our affiliate link which is in the uh podcast slash youtube description a portion of your purchase goes towards supporting the podcast thank you as always to the band vox cadre for lovely podcast music to nate slover for our equally lovely podcast logo and to our long suffering podcast editor roadkill next episode will be out in two weeks until then see ya bye see ya have a good one